All right, amen. We're, okay, we're studying, the, we're studying on tongues. We're studying what is a tongue, what is the gift of tongues. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to start back at verse 21. Now, uh, we're going to pick up where I left off last week. This is the second part of our teaching on tongues and what, what are tongues, what is a tongue. This is where we left off last week, and this is the definition of what a tongue is. Now, we know the word tongue, tongue simply means language. I, I define that through the Word of God. Bible word for language is tongues. And an unknown tongue is simply an unknown language. Okay, everybody understands that. And I, I think I got that straightened out through last week's study. But let's go on to what is a tongue. Now look at verse 21. And this is Paul speaking. And we're going to go through this whole chapter of 14. So y'all don't worry about it. We're going to be skipping around. But I will go back and we're going to go through every verse of chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14. But right now we're just trying to establish some things before we do that. Verse 21. And the law it is written, with men of other tongues... And other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. So we have established that that other tongues is other languages, amen. It's real easy to understand that verse. Verse 22, wherefore, this is what tongues are, wherefore tongues are for a sign. All right, tongues, the gift of tongues was for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Okay. Paul's given us a definition of what tongues are. Tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Real preaching is good for you. Y'all love, real, y'all love preaching. Y'all love good preaching. And preaching is for believers. It edifies, it strengthens, it builds up, it does all these things. That's what preaching does. We know that from other scripture. But tongues simply is a sign for them that believe not. It's not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. So there's a good definition of exactly what a tongue is. So, if it's a sign, and a sign to them that believe not, who is a sign for? Well, let me show you who needs a sign. That sign, tongues, is a sign for unbelieving and for unbelieving Jews. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. What is a tongue? A tongue is a sign for unbelievers. It's a sign for unbelieving Jews. And I'm going to show that through the scriptures, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. The Gentiles, they want wisdom. They want, to, want everything explained to them. The Jews, they require a sign. Okay, now this is where we stopped last week. So we, we've established that tongues is for unbelievers and for unbelieving Jews and that the Jews require a sign. So what, who are the signs for? The signs are not for Gentiles. The signs are for Jews because the Jews require a sign. So the next question might be, why do the Jews require a sign? Well, the reason the Jews require a sign is because their whole nation began with signs. Unlike any other nation God ever created that was ever created, any other people or race of people, the Jews were distinctly created with signs. Turn to Exodus chapter 4, and I'll show this to you. It's real important to get this. And it explains why the Jesus Christ is doing all these signs and wonders that he's doing. He's doing all that because the Jews require a sign. Do we require a sign? No. We simply believe by faith. We don't live by sight. We, we live by faith, amen. We don't require a sign. 
Jesus Christ says, the only sign I'm going to give you is a sign of Jonas. The sign is that Jesus Christ came up from the grave. That's the only sign you need. All right, you don't need any other sign. But the Jews are different than you. The Jews are a lot different than you. Because the Jews as a nation, Israel as a nation, start, their whole nation was started with signs. Exodus chapter 4, look at verse 8. God's telling Moses, I'm going to send you to them. I'm going to bring you, I'm going to, I want you to take my people. I'm going to make a great nation out of them. It's going to become Israel. And uh, Moses, I want you to go get my people. And, and I, I want you to do signs so they'll believe you. Verse 8, it shall come to pass. If they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass that they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. The signs where he was take his hand, he puts in his hand, his hand, and it turns into leprosy. He takes his hand, puts it back into his coat, brings it back out, it's healed. The sign was the healing of leprosy. He had the rod, he'd throw the rod down and turn it to a snake. The snake would turn back into a rod. The third sign was he'd take water and turn it into blood. Those are the signs to show Israel, the nation of Israel, that Moses was sent from God. Amen. They require a sign. Well, I read it to you. The Jews require a sign. So skip down to verse 30. Actually, 29 would be a good place. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. This is before he brings them out. This is before all the plagues. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. See, they're getting signs done for them. And the people believed. When they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. That's when they believed that Moses and Aaron were sent from God. And they believed when Moses and Aaron showed them these signs. No other nation requires a sign like the Jew. And God gives them signs. That's what all this stuff's about. Whenever God brings Israel out, He gives them one of the greatest signs that every nation's heard of. When He parts the Red Sea, dries the land up, and brings a million people over that Red Sea, and then takes that water and closes the water over on Pharaoh and all his army. That was a great sign to all the world. And if you keep reading through your Bible, get into Deuteronomy, get into Joshua. They talk about that. These lost heathens, they say, we heard what God did for you in the Red Sea. That was a sign for the Jew, so the Jew require a sign. The Bible's real plain about that, okay? So what, who are the signs for? The signs of tongues is for unbelieving Jews. Okay, y'all got that. The apostles. You don't have to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The Jewish apostles all had signs. And the reason they, they knew they were apostles is because they could do the signs of an apostle. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. So that's what Paul says. I have the signs of an apostle. He could do these signs. That's how they proved it. You are Gentiles. You only get one sign. That's the resurrection. Amen. That's the only sign Jesus Christ is promising y'all. But the Jews, because they're stiff-necked people and God had raised them up with signs in Exodus, he came forth and he showed them all the signs they needed to see. Every sign. Now, we've got some of that established. Let's go and finish looking in Acts Turn to Acts chapter 10. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Let's go to Acts, and I'm going to show you there's been three different places in the book of Acts where somebody speaks in tongues. Now, the first place in Acts 
There's three places in Acts, in the, in, in the book of Acts, that somebody speaks in tongues. Acts chapter 2. Now, last week we went through those verses in Acts chapter 2. And it was when Peter came out, they were all speaking in tongues. It was languages. The people heard them in their own language. And it was all about the mighty works of God. And we, we talked about that last week, okay? So we, have already, we already covered the first time that the gift of tongues was given. And that was in Acts chapter 2. So let's go on to the second one. Now, this is the second time... In the Bible that's recorded that the tongues were spoken in. Look at Acts chapter 10 verse 44. Now what's the context of Acts chapter 10 verse 44? Well the context is Peter is going to the Gentiles for the first time. God is sending Peter to the Gentiles and his name is Cornelius. He's a Gentile, not a Jew. He's a Gentile. Peter didn't believe that to even believe the Gentiles could get saved. He thinks you have to be circumcised. He thinks you have to go to the temple. He thinks you have to abstain from pork. He thinks all of that. And remember, he was given this vision while he's up on the house. And the vision of the cloth comes down, has all these manner of beasts on there. And God says, arise and eat, Peter. And Peter says, nay, Lord, I never eat anything unclean. Because <laughs> he's a Jew. And what did God tell him? Don't you call anything un unclean that I call clean. Arise and eat. And then right about that time, Cornelius' men show up and they say, hey, we had an angel come and tell us to ask for Peter. And God tells Peter, go down and go with these men. Peter goes down and goes with the Gentiles. He goes into a Gentile's house. You've got to remember, a Jew thinks a Gentile is a dog up until this point. They always have a dog. Remember what Jesus Christ told that woman? She wanted her daughter to be healed. And what did Jesus Christ tell that Gentile woman? It's not meat for me to give the children's meat to the dogs. Did you hear what Jesus said to that woman? It's not meat for me to give the children's meat to the dogs. He's calling her a dog, guys. <laughs> and what does she say? Well, even the, even the dogs eat off the crumbs off the children's table. He catches them in his own words. And he does for her what, he want, what she wants. The point is, is Jesus Christ says, I'm sent to the children of Israel, not to the Gentiles. But after Jesus Christ is resurrected, he says, you're going to go to all the world now and preach this gospel message. So this is all new to Jews. You've got to understand the book of Acts. And this is where the charismatics and a lot of people, they get really messed up, guys. The book of Acts is a transitional book. There's things going on that are never going to go on again, ever. Because you have the Holy Spirit's been given for the first time. The Holy Spirit's indwelling people for the first time. God is sending Jews, sending salvation to the Gentiles through the Jews. The Gentiles are starting to preach the gospel. All this stuff's starting to happen that's never been happened before, and it's, it's never going to happen again, this transition period, okay? So here's Peter, and he goes, he's preaching to these bunch of Gentiles, and he's preaching the same message he preached in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 10, okay? Look at verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word on these Gentiles, and they of the circumcision. Who are the circumcision? That's a Jew, okay? And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. Why were they so astonished? As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, how did they know the Holy Ghost was on these Gentiles? How do you know I have the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't know, amen? Well, how is God going to show them that they have the Holy Ghost? The Gentiles now have the Holy Ghost. Look at the very next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter. Now see, God gives them the gift of these tongues, these different languages, so they know, hey, these guys have the Holy Ghost. 
Because the Gentiles say, we believe and now we have, the, I, I, we don't know you have the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues. Because remember, what is tongues a sign for? For unbelievers. It's a sign. And a sign for unbelievers. These guys were unbelievers. They weren't unbelievers in Jesus Christ. They were unbelievers that the Gentiles could get the Holy Ghost, see? You understand? They're unbelieving Jews. Here's Jews that don't believe that they can receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what this sign was for. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Now they're getting the Holy Ghost and they're not been baptized. That's me and you guys. You're saved before you're baptized. Amen. Amen. What was happening in Acts chapter 2? Peter said, you need to go get baptized so you can receive the Holy Ghost. Did you read it? Acts 2.38. Now you know why. And I try to kick the the church of Christ as much in the rear end as I can. Because that's stupid. It's stupid to go to Acts 2 and try to preach salvation out of Acts 2. You're not a Jew. It's not the same salvation. Acts 10 is our salvation. You see this? There's a transition period going. Why is the church of Christ trying to take you way back to Acts chapter 2? Because there's something in Acts chapter 2 they want to believe, which is what? That you had to get baptized to get saved. That's why they always say Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. That's why they do that. It's in the beginning of the transition, and that's what they want to believe. They want to believe in a thing that they call, and we call, baptismal regeneration, which simply means you have to be baptized to get saved. And as you go in through the rest of the book of Acts, which we see here, and you go in through Pauline epistles, it's nowhere taught. Because they believe that, what do they do? They want to send you right back to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. That's why if you see anybody riding around with a bumper sticker or something that says Acts 2, 38, you know they're a church of Christ, and they don't know what they're talking about. That's why I get mad at them. They're sending people to hell. Being baptized will not save you. Believing saves you. You have to hear the word of God and receive it. Verse 44. Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Then the Holy Ghost falls on them. Then they get baptized. I know I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, but I'm making sure you understand how dangerous the book of Acts can be. You can't just pull a verse out of here. But notice here. The sign of tongues was given to a Gentile so that the Jews that were unbelieving there would believe that they had received the Holy Ghost. Therefore, Peter says, hey, guys, we can't deny them to be baptized. Let them get baptized. So they all get baptized in the name of the Lord. Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Okay, now when is the next time? This is the next and last time that tongues are spoken in the book of Acts. And it's in Acts chapter 19. Let's turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Now I've shown you Acts chapter 2. I've shown you Acts chapter 10. Both those signs or tongues are given, but they're given so unbelieving Jews will believe something. Okay, so here's the third time, that, and the third and last time that tongues are spoken in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, look at verse 1. Now to get the context, and we're not going to read it for time's sake, but in Acts, at the end of Acts chapter 18, there's a man named Apollos. He had disciples, but he did not believe in Jesus Christ. He wasn't teaching the right way. Priscilla and Aquila straighten him out, and he gets saved at the end of chapter 18 of Acts. Now chapter 19, and it came to pass that while Apollos, there's the Apollos, the one that had, who was trying to follow God, but he wasn't following him completely through Jesus Christ, see, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. These are disciples of Apollos. Notice verse 2. 
He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. Why? Look at verse 3. And Paul says unto them, He said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Like a, a Priscilla and Aquila straightened out Apollos, he straightens out Apollos' disciples in verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they were saved, see. When they heard the truth about Jesus Christ being the Messiah, they believed and they're saved, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, notice in verse 6, here's something strange. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve, and he went into the synagogue. Notice he went into the synagogue. The Jews are there. Here's something strange that goes on. Here they are speaking in tongues to unbelieving Jews. Before they can get these tongues as a sign to those unbelieving Jews there, Paul has to lay his hands on them. That's something new, isn't it? For us, at least. Because notice, remember in Acts 10, when Peter was preaching to the, to the Gentiles, what happened to them? How did they get the Holy Ghost? It just came on them, right? And it came on them, they started speaking in tongues, and they're like, whoa, they have the Holy Ghost. Nobody laid hands on them or anything. They didn't even know they had the Holy Ghost until they started speaking in tongues. So that was a sign. That sign of tongues was a sign to unbelieving Jews there in chapter 10. Here in 19, Paul's having to lay his hands on them. So they will receive the Holy Ghost. Here's what's going on, and you can find it in Acts chapter 8. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8. So remember, this is a transition thing going on here. And then we'll have to come back to Acts 19. But turn, keep your thumb here on 19, but let's go to Acts 8. This is what makes Acts a dangerous book. And all of the Bible can be a dangerous book because you can take verses out and you can damn your soul. But what makes Acts so dangerous is there's a transitional period going on here. There's weird things going on where God's doing different things to different people. So you can't just take one thing and one uh, scripture and pull it out and say, well, that's how you receive the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the Holy Ghost by somebody laying their hands on you. No, you don't. I just read in Acts 10 where they didn't have to have the hands laid on them. The Holy Ghost just fell on them. Well, you've got to receive the Holy Ghost by getting baptized. No, you don't. I just read Acts 10 <laughs> where they had the Holy Ghost before they got baptized. You see how confusing this can be? It's not confusing when you keep reading your Bible. <laughs> you got to read the whole book. Okay? But when somebody pulls a scripture out of there and you're sitting there in a church or maybe you're a young man or woman and somebody comes in here and they lay this stuff on you and say, well, look here in Acts chapter 19. You're like, well, well that's what it says. Well, of course that's what it says. But you got to have the whole context. Amen. No verses of its own private interpretation. You got to have the whole context. Acts chapter 8. Now, this is when he's going down, he's dealing with the Samaritans. Philip is dealing with the Samaritans. I think the best, yeah, verse 14. Yeah, verse 14. Philip is talking to the Samaritans. They're believing, they're getting baptized. But they're not receiving the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, sent them from Jerusalem, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here's guys that were, here are guys that believed on Jesus Christ, they got baptized, but haven't received the Holy Ghost. So what happens? 
Peter and John, they come down from Jerusalem to Samaria. And what happens there in verse 17? Then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. They didn't receive the Holy Ghost, not until John and Peter came down and laid their hands on them. Here's what's going on here. And this is what we surmise out of all of this from studying the Word of God. Samaria was what, remember what Jesus told the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4. You don't know what you're worshiping, and you're worshiping in the wrong mountain. The story of the Samaritans is they're half-breed Jews. They're half-Gentiles, half-Jews. They broke away from the Jews. They created their own temple. They created their own place to worship. They said, we don't think you should go to Jerusalem. You can come down here. And that's why they were hated so much by the Jews. That's why the Samaritans, remember the Good Samaritan story? That's why he told the Samaritan, Good Samaritan story. Because the Samaritans are nothing but dogs. They're like Gentiles. They're worse than dogs because they think they've got the right way through our Jehovah God and they're wrong. And Jesus told them they're wrong. Jesus says, you don't even know what you're worshiping. John chapter 4. So to establish Jerusalem as the appropriate and right place of the truth, which God has always done through Scripture, He sends Peter and John from Jerusalem, verse 14, down to these Samaritans, so they can say the truth is coming from Jerusalem, the authority is coming from Jerusalem, and they, they lay their hands on them, and they receive the Holy Ghost. That's what was going on there. That was them establishing that Jerusalem is the right place, not Samaria, not Gerizim, the Mount Gerizim where they were worshiping instead of Jerusalem. They weren't worshiping in the right place. Even though they were trying to worship Jehovah, they weren't worshiping Him in the right place. God only has one place He wants sacrifice done to Him. That's in Jerusalem. He established that. But they, just like a lot of denominations, Christian denominations, they got off on their own way of doing things and God didn't like it. And He was showing to them the authority comes from Jerusalem, and it came through John and Peter. Remember, Jesus says, I give you the, that's the keys Peter has. He had those keys. He was going and laying the hands on them. So they'd receive the Holy Ghost. Notice, that's Acts chapter 8, amen. They're getting their hands laid on to receive the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, what did Cornelius have done to him to receive the Holy Ghost? Nothing. He just believed and received it, and the Holy Ghost fell on him. You see what's going on here? God's dealing with people and different people in different ways. Some have their hands laid on them to receive the Holy Ghost. Some of them are getting baptized like the Jews, Acts chapter 2. Some of them, like me and you and Cornelius, just believe it and are receiving it, and the Holy Ghost falls on them. Amen. And that's what Paul teaches through the rest of the Pauline epistles, when everything gets straightened out. So don't go to Acts 2, don't go to Acts chapter 8 to get your doctrine. Don't go to Acts chapter 19. You need to get past some of this stuff before you get your doctrine of the belief on receiving the Holy Spirit and how you receive it, okay? All right, I think everybody understands that, I hope. Turn back to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. So this is the verse that they're going to use. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. If you're a charismatic Pentecostal assembly of God, or any of the, I, I'll just say non-denominational because they don't know what they believe. Look at verse 2. This is what they're going to say. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So they're going to use that verse 2 and say, See, Paul's asking them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They don't believe in Jesus Christ. They believe they're Apollos' disciples. But they're going to use that verse and take it out of context and say this, Have you received the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost which is speaking in tongues? Has anybody ever asked you that? Some of y'all say yes. <laughs> That's what they'll ask you. 
Have you ever received the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost, which is speaking in tongues? They teach it's a second grace, that you're saved, and then the second grace is you receive the Holy Ghost. See, they believed. They're saying that believed is believed in Jesus Christ, but obviously they don't, or they would have already received him because Paul has to baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ later. But they take the verse out of context. I told you what the verses mean. Now I'm telling you what they believe it means. And they take it and say, see, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ, and then you, you have another initial evidence, which is in the end of verse 6, laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, they spake with tongues, and then you have tongues, and it shows you have the Holy Ghost. That's what they teach. That's not what that verse teaches. That's not what Paul said. But that's what they're going to tell you. And I'm showing you what that's what they're going to tell you. Let's close because we're right on time. Let's close in Romans chapter 8. And then we'll get into the rest of this next week, okay? Y'all got to trust me. I'm going to answer some of y'all's questions, but look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you understand there in Acts chapter 19, before we move on, how they could get that idea? It, it's, it's, I mean, it's an honest mistake. You can see how somebody could honestly maybe make a mistake. They're reading through Acts. They say, look, here's, here's Paul. He says, you, have you believed, received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And then he lays his hands on them. They, they, they get the Holy Ghost. They speak in tongues. That's what happened to them. But they got it all mixed up. They got it all mixed up. Listen, Acts, Romans chapter 8. We're way past... Paul is way past those verses in Acts. Look what he writes to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And we'll close here. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Look, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're lost going to hell. You're not of Christ. Y'all know that. You understand that. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you haven't been baptized into the Holy Spirit. You're not a part of the body of Christ. You're not a part of the body. You're going to hell. And that's why Paul's pointing out there in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. See that capital S? If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Yes, He does dwell in me. Now, if many men have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You're going to hell. So you can't tell somebody, teach somebody, you believed in Jesus Christ and you're saved, but you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. You can't teach that. Because you either got it and you're going to heaven, or you don't got it and you're going to hell. It's just that simple. But they try to teach us a second grace, which is nowhere taught in the Bible. That word, a verse, or phrase, is what we're talking about. It's a second grace where you receive the second, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, you'll hear me say this. You'll, see, you'll hear me say sometimes from the pulpit, you hear me if you've ever heard me pray and been with me privately, or anywhere, I'll say, Lord, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. I'm not saying I don't have the Spirit of God in me, but I want Him to fully be working in me. I want Him to be fully in me working, and I don't want to have him quenched in my flesh. Because I can have the Spirit, but I can have that thing quenched where it's nothing more than a drop. I want him to be fully flown out of me so Jesus Christ will manifest out of me and that fruit will manifest out of me. That's what I'm praying for. I'm not praying to have the Holy Spirit come in me. He's already in me. 
I want him to fully work in me, though. Because the Spirit is not a mystical power. It's not some kind of mystical philosophy. The Holy Spirit is a he. It's one part of the Trinity. And I want him to fully work in me. I want him, when I pray for the Holy Spirit to move in this place, I want him, he, God, to work in this place. I know y'all are saved. Most of y'all I know are saved. I know your testimony. I want him to work in you and work through you and speak to your heart. That's why I pray that way. So don't get me confused when I pray some certain ways that I'm saying, I don't think the Holy Spirit's in us or not. No, he's in us or you wouldn't be saved. But I want him to fully work in us. I want that river to flow. I don't want it to be a little trickle. I want it to flow, you know. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing, because I bowed my head, knowing I'm a sinner, and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.